Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. My name is Jorge, and I'm part of this ministry, the College and Young Adults Ministry. And if this is your first time, or maybe you've been coming for a couple of times, you're checking us out, um, I hope that you feel like this is your home and this is your family. Um, this, I get it. This can be an, inti- an, an intimidating uh, setting because you're around uh, people who may... St- who may display a sense of, I got everything figured out. I got this Christian walk figured out. And let me tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't have it figured out. And the message that Chris Best just preached, that was, that was all me, guys. Even uh, my insecurities about this very message that I want to present, uh, that was me. And uh, I pray that... Uh, you hear me out this morning because uh, I want to be very clear. I'm not, I'm not coming for your heads. I'm, I'm coming for your heart. Amen. Yeah? And so, hear me out. Um, so, uh, maybe I've said this before, but something I like about worship is, uh, is how everybody just sings together. No matter if you're not a good singer, no matter if you're out of tune, um, no matter if, you know, you sound like me, not, not good. Let me clarify that. Um, we're all on the same page, singing the same words, right? It's like we're singing out of the same hymn book. What I love about that, and I've said this before, is that whenever you stop singing and you hear everyone's voice sing out together, so awesome. It's so awesome. And I, I didn't even start, start my timer. I'm sorry. I don't want to keep you longer than you should be. Guys, I don't deserve this. None of us deserve this right here. What we have in this room and down the street in that building, none of us deserve this, this sense of unity. And guess what? The world is looking for this sense of community, right? They're looking for a kingdom, but they're looking for the kingdom without the king, right? They're looking for the medicine, the remedy to all their problems, but they, they don't want the physician. They don't, they don't want the physician prescribing what they need. They want to be a part of this flock, but they don't want a shepherd. Now, that's a sad reality because people pay for this type of thing, right? People join sororities, fraternities, clubs. They buy Jeeps just to say hi to each other on the street. Man, that's a real thing, right? And Gabrielle and I had a Jeep for our honeymoon, and for a whole year, I was like, man, I should buy a Jeep. And for the longest time, when I started to, to think about it and rationalize why I wanted a Jeep is because I, I felt a sense of unity. And that is absurd, right? It's so stupid. But it's the reality. People want to be, be part of something bigger than themselves. 
And what they're missing is this, right? They're missing the partnership to a flock. Better yet, they're missing the shepherd. And the reality is, I probably wouldn't be a friend, like, I probably wouldn't be your friend if I was lost. That's the reality. But because of Jesus Christ, man, I, I know a guy from, 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 from China. I almost said, like, the city, but I know Mankit. There's no way I would have known Mankit outside of Christ. There's no way I would have known my wife outside of Christ. And that is what makes us unique. And so as I, as, as I was preparing this message, by the way, we're going to be in Psalm 23. And as, as I was preparing this message, I, I was just trying to chew on this passage. And I was trying to make sense of it because it's such a, a simple passage, right? We, we all know it or know the concept of Psalm 23. But as I... I started to think about this. I came to the conclusion that Jesus is my shepherd and he has made me one of his own, right? I, I am I'm one that he knows by name. Even though I'm undeserving and I'm found lacking by all measures of life, he has saved my soul, he has taken care of me, he has protected me. And there's no way I can find satisfaction outside of him. He has... He has made that very clear, and I have, I have a, I've been saved for six years, and I, you know, it didn't take me long to understand that, but yeah, we, we, we stray, just like Chris said. We stray all the time. We're prone to wander. So if you get anything out of today, maybe, maybe the message doesn't make sense. Maybe you can't understand my English, because uh, I am foreign, and you'll catch some accent, every once in a while, or even just my grammar is not that great. But if you get anything out of tonight, or today, this morning, get this. I have everything I could possibly need in Jesus Christ. Now write that down and chew on that, because we'll be visiting this, this concept over and over and over and over again today. Okay, So write it down. Um, and before I read the passage, um, I'm going to pray, because I might get some of this jitterness out of my, my teeth and, um, you know, out of my body. But, Lord, we, we love you, and um, we honestly, um, I, can, I can confidently say that most people, and the majority of this group, truly wants to follow you with everything they have, with every ounce of their being, and, but we, we just, we don't know how sometimes, but the answer is, we just need you, and we thank you for your word, uh, we thank you for this message this morning, and we pray that you would challenge us, that you would convict us, that you would encourage us, um, but that more than anything, that, that we would be transformed whenever we leave this building, that we would be a, a new person in Christ. And in his name we pray, amen. amen. <clears throat> so if you could turn to Psalm 23, we're going to spend all uh, the messages there. 
It says, verse 1, a psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right. So let's draw some historical application, right? So we know that in order to study the Bible, there's three applications we have to put into practice, right? So one of them is the historical application. We have to understand where the writer is coming from. And then we're going to look at the doctrinal application. We're going to see what this passage is trying to teach me. So what is God trying to teach me through this passage? And we're going to end with a practical application. And trust me, this passage will be pretty practical. So you won't miss the practical application. They'll be uh, listed throughout the key points. And mixed in there, there'll be some points of reflection and these points of reflection, I, I suggest that you write them down because they're for you, right? They're for you to think about. They're not for anybody else in this room. They're for you, okay? So <clears throat> let's, let's begin with verse 1 in this, this small phrase that says, a psalm of David. Some teachers believe that actually this psalm was written in David's old age. As he was a king, maybe he was transferring the kingdom to his son, to his son Solomon, but in the way that he writes it, it's, it's kind of in a way that he's remembering, right? He's putting things into remembrance to himself, and he's saying, man, God has been my shepherd. God has led, he has made me to lay down in green pastures. He has le- led me by still waters. He has protected me through all this tribulation in my life. Now, who, who better to write this psalm than David himself, right? The shepherd boy. He had the experience of having the humble profession um, of a shepherd and being the youngest of his family. He had the experience of laying down his life for his, for his flock. He had the experience of laying down his life for his people. I believe that through this passage or through this experience, God was trying to show David his own character for himself. Right? And I think David got got to the right conclusion and said, God is my shepherd and I am the flock. I am the sheep. We see an example of uh, how shepherding had prepared David for the battle against Goliath in uh, 1 Samuel 17. As he's explaining to Saul in verse 34, thy servant keep, kept his father's sheep and, and there came a lion and a bear and, and took his lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught, it, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. 
Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philippine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defiled the armies of the living God. Right? So he knew, even as a young boy, as a young teenager, what he was being prepared for. He knew that being a shepherd, there was a purpose in taking care of the small things, of the small tasks. We see later on in the, in the story of uh, in 1 Samuel 30, um, in the battle of Ziklag, we see that David was greatly distressed. And to give context to this verse, I only uh, put a, uh, one verse in there, but to give a context to this verse, the Israelites and uh, David's army had been, they had their wives and daughters and everything they owned stolen from them. And everybody was stressed. Everybody, everybody was anxious. It says that David himself, the leader of, of the people, was distressed. And they, spec- they, they spoke of stoning him, right? It's like if all of us were stressed in our daily lives and we're like, Brandon, it's your fault. <laughs> we're we're going to fire you and get, and get ourselves a, a new pastor, right? But check this out. David had the right idea. He had the, the right mind. He said, but David encouraged himself in the Lord and his God. David understood his position. And he understood that he was, he was just a sheep in, in the chief shepherd's flock. Let's move on to the, the rest of verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, dang. Point of reflection one. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, do, do you really know the shepherd of the psalm? David understood it. David knew who his shepherd was. Maybe it was later than, than sooner, but he came to that conclusion. Have you got to that conclusion? Do you know the shepherd of this psalm? And as we continue in verse 1, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, the Lord is my leader. He protects me. He provides for me. He fights for me. He, he fights for us, right? There's many testimonies in this room of God fighting our battles, right? The word says that God breaks bones and teeth. Man, God is pretty hardcore. And I know my wife and I can testify God has come through to save us from situations that we had no control over. He definitely did breaking, he, he broke some bones. Let's just say that. But unlike today, being a shepherd wasn't, back then it wasn't the, the coveted position. Being a shepherd wasn't this glamorous thing that you, that you go up and you, you, know, you wear the nice suits and you're also a worship leader and you're all that and you get all the money. No, being a shepherd Back then, like I said, it was, it was a humbling profession. As we see, David was the youngest of his family. 
And how it would work back then is that if I, was, it was, if I was the first child of my family, I would take care of the sheep first, and once my brother was born, he would take over the sheep, and so on and so forth. So it was, it was the, the, the grunt job, right? So it, it wasn't the position or the profession that you wanted. Neither was, a, was it a profession respected by the world. Genesis 46, verse 34, it says that, uh, I'm going to cut to the chase, it says that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the world. And now, or unto the Egyptians, I'm getting ahead of myself. As we see Egypt being a picture of the world, we can draw a conclusion that the world now sees that our shepherd is an abomination. The way that our shepherd leads us, the way that he uh, comforts us, the way that he gives us peace, it's an abomination to them. And they think that, you know, maybe medicine will comfort them. Maybe psychology will come through for them. Maybe, maybe this substance will come through for them. Maybe my friends will hear me out. King David recognizes that the Lord had taken the role of his, of his keeper. He understood that he was the lamb in the care of the chief shepherd, <clears throat> chief shepherd, and his life was filled with meaningful details pointing back to him. Because he concludes the first verse by saying, I shall not want. Now this is a statement, like Chris was saying, is a statement saying, I will never lack but it's also saying, I will never desire anything outside of his provision because he is my shepherd. But the reality is that some of us this morning are consumed with our own desires, our own wants. Right now, I'm going to call you out. I see it. You're thinking about lunch already. Amen. I hear Brandon or other pastors talk about that, and it's a reality. You're somewhere else already thinking about how you would look in that Jeep, saying hi to those other people, right? So point of reflection number two is for you, Kaya. What do you want? What do you want this ministry to be? Do you want to be used by by Christ to take over Kansas City for his name? Do you believe that, by the way? Like Brandon says it all the time. Do you believe that's even possible? To tell you the truth, I struggle with that. I struggle with that reality. But why not? Or do you want to just be another hip Christian community? By the way, when you hear someone say, I'm looking for a Christian community, that's a red flag, guys. That's a red flag. I've come into contact with many people that said, I just want a Christian community. Sure, I'll join your Bible study. I, you know, I just want a community. What, that's code, code word for, I don't want any accountability. I want nothing to do with your KJV Bible. I want nothing to do with coming to prayer after prayer. I want nothing to do with praying with you. I just want to have some friends. 
And again, that's, that goes back to the, the natural desire for this world to want what we have. But what they fail to see is that what we have is centered in Jesus Christ. And if we're going to become a Christian community, count me out. I don't want to be a part of this. And I hope that that is, that is your same mentality. That God forbid we become another church on a hill on the plaza. That we become another church that forsakes the word of God. The, the very same thing that transforms us. God forbid. Key point number one, the shepherd is the primary source of fulfillment for the sheep. The believer is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The shepherd is the primary source of fulfillment, meaning the sense of completeness for the sheep. The believer is complete and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now let me explain that. My wife is awesome, Gabrielle. She's sitting right here. But I don't need my wife's respect. You hear me? I, I don't need the respect from my wife. Although she does, she respects me all the time. She's awesome. I don't need her respect because I already got it from God, the creator of the universe. I got it from God himself, and I don't need it from anybody, because I get it through Jesus Christ. I don't need affirmation. I don't need love. Now I get that. I get it all the time. I I get affirmation from my friends. I get love from my wife, my friends, everybody. But I don't need it. And guess what? If I don't have it, my world isn't over. I'm not crumbling because I didn't, because Brandon didn't say good job. My world is not coming apart because my wife didn't say thank you. That's that's what I mean. Let's let's keep going to verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He he leadeth me beside the still waters. The shepherd calms my anxiety and my depression. He feeds me what's best for me. Again, he leaves me with no want. That's what that, that word in, in verse 1 means. It doesn't, that, that word is not a perceived need. It's actually uh, a sense of lacking nothing. I am complete in him. And, and he does that by providing what's best for me. What I need at that time Right? Like, at some point, God was like, you know, you're not supposed to go to Boston right now. And at the time, I was like, what? Like, this is what I want. He's like, yeah, but that's not what you need. You need to stay here. And I understood it then that maybe what I want at the moment and what's best for me is not always congruent to what I think I want, what I think I desire, what I think I'm entitled to. He feeds me the green grass. He knows where the rich pastures are. We see that in Mark 6, 34, 
It says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them. Because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And Jesus understood that. And he said, Ah, oh, man, like I, these guys, these religious people, he's talking about the Israelites. He's, he's saying, they, they think they know me. They search the scriptures and they think they know me, but they, they don't even have a shepherd. You know, he's talking about us when he's saying, man, they, they raise their hands when they worship. They say these, these religious jargon to each other, but they, they don't know me. They're as sheep without a shepherd. And guess what? He, he hurts for you, for us, for me, when we act like that, when we live like that. Key point number two, the shepherd is the primary source of sustenance for the sheep. The believer is sustained by the hand of Jesus Christ. The shepherd is the primary source of, the susten- of sustenance for the sheep, meaning there's a constant support, there's a constant feeding for the sheep. The believer is sustained by the hand of Jesus Christ. Let's keep going on this parallel, right? So we're in Mark 6. Jesus sees the sheep, the, the people, a sheep without a shepherd. And he's like, man, this sucks. I'm going to teach them, right? And <clears throat> man, this is awesome. Verse 39, and he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves of Five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all, and they did eat, they did all eat and were, were all filled. And they took up the twelve baskets full of fragments and, and of the fishes. So we see that in this parallel of Psalm 23 in Mark 6, Jesus makes them sit down in the green grass and he feeds them the physical food. But his, his first motive is to teach them the word of God, to give them the spiritual food. But he's saying, okay, you're not there yet. Here, have some bread, have some fish. We'll, we'll get there, you know, we'll, we'll get there. And guess what? He also knows of the people that are here and though we're there to just get fed. John 6, 26, And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Not because you saw the miracles, but because you were fed. Because you got this sense of community. Because you... You know, you, you fulfilled your flesh in some type of way. You feel accepted. You feel loved. Which introduces a point of reflection. Number three, am I seeking the green pastures or physical food? Am I seeking the green pastures, the, the spiritual sustenance or the physical food, the friends and the sense of community 
and, and you know, playing video games with my friends in Christ. And, and talking the Christianese whenever I need to. Whenever I don't have to show my face to you. Yeah, brother, I'm, I'm doing well. Praise the Lord. Yeah, right. Again, are you, are you here for the community? And if so, man, that, that's fine. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get to where we need to be. I think we just need to be honest with ourselves, though. Are, are you just coming here to be fed? And are you just coming for the friends to be accepted by people? Man, that's cool. We'll work with you. I mean, we'll, man, work with me, because I do that sometimes. I want to be accepted, too. Right? Like, accept me too. I want to be a part. Or, are we here to be transformed? Are we here, do we come every Sunday, every Tuesday, every time we have Bible study? Because we're expecting to be transformed, to leave differently than when we came in. If that's you, man, praise God, we're, we're on the same page. And that's not you, and that's where you want to get to. Praise God, we can work. We can work together to do that, and we'll see how. Let's keep going in verse 3. He restoreth my soul. Now here, David is actually talking about his, his literal soul, right? We all know that David committed the sin with Bathsheba, and you know, he, he killed uh, Uriah, the Hittite, Right? I looked at, yeah, there's no explaining that. But, but he knew that, that God had pardoned the sin. Now this sin was one that there was no sacrifice for. He had messed up big time. There was no way of coming back from this, this grievous sin that, that he had committed. But guess what? God had pardoned him. Despite the law. He says in Psalm 51, verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. David was talking about repentance. In the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me. So David understood from Psalm 23 that he had been forgiven. That God had looked upon him and he had grace on him. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He doesn't only provide sustenance, but he provides me with, with the food of my soul. Jesus didn't only provide the physical food in Mark 6, but he provided the food for the spirit. And we see the, the parallel of this same story in John 6, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. We see a cross-reference in Isaiah 55, 1, Ho, every one that thirsted, come ye to the waters, and he that had no money, come ye, buy, eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price, wherefore do ye spend money for that which is no bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not, hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Key point number three. Man, I feel like I'm blazing through this. Um, The shepherd is the primary source of righteousness. The believer is restored for a specific purpose. The shepherd is a primary source of righteousness, meaning rightness with God. The believer is restored for for a specific purpose. Now, I, I thought this was awesome. Chris actually explained this point. I didn't even have to. And again, God affirmed me this morning that this message had to be preached. Because he paralleled my message. Now, he was a little more funny. He had a little bit, he had a couple more illustrations with the polar bear and whatnot, but. We're, we're not restored from our sin so we can keep sinning, right? We're not restored from our sin so we can live however we want because now we have a net that will cover us. That, that's, that's not the purpose of salvation. That is not the purpose of a walk with Christ, right? What, is, what does Paul say in Romans 6? Shall... Shall I continue in sin that grace might abound? God forbid, right? We see in Deuteronomy 6, verse 23, And he brought us out from thence, meaning Egypt, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all, this, all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. So Moses is explaining to to the people of Israel, you were not saved for no reason. You were saved for something bigger than yourself. You were saved to fear the Lord. Paul explains it a different way, the same way, just in a different way, if that makes sense. Romans 7, verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, or for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So when we were lost, we sinned, and that sin produced death. Verse 6, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We're saved 
Not that we should continue to serve in our old man. We're saved so we can live in the new man because now we have freedom to serve God. We're not bound by the law anymore. And that is the whole purpose. We're saved because now we can serve freely. Does that make sense? We're not saved so we can just do whatever we want with our lives. In a sense, there is an expectation in how we live our lives now. So the fourth point of reflection. Are you taking advantage of the blessings of God? Now what I mean by taking advantage, I mean like... Are you a sleazeball? Like, are you just kind of using your liberties to say, well, show me book, chapter, verse, or else I won't do what you say? Or are you using the word of God to do whatever you want? Oh, it says here that I can speak in tongues. Because the reality is because I want to look cool. I want to show off how, how cool my tongues are. Right? <laughs> now, if you hear that from a guy, come talk to me or another married guy or Brandon, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a talk with him. Or are you taking advantage of God's grace? I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of taking advantage of the the good nature and the grace that this body offers to me. And it's been because I've been immature. Not because I've been wicked. And I don't believe any... I, I want to think that maybe none of us are wanting to be wicked and take advantage of people's grace and good nature but we do are, are we doing these things to satisfy our flesh and that's what it comes down to I'm not here again to, to come at your heads and to sound like I'm legalistic I'm coming for your heart and I want, I want to ask do you know the shepherd of this psalm? Because if we did, we, we wouldn't be, again, sleazeballs, right? We, we, we wouldn't be taking advantage of the good nature of, of our brothers and sisters. Let's keep going. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And we see in the Gospels, in Matthew 14, again, we're using this, this, this story as a parallel to the Psalm 23. And it says, And straight away Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. 
But the ship now was in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cry, and they cry out out of fear. There is redemption in Jesus Christ. There's acceptance, there's grace, there's love in Jesus Christ. There's any, anything that we could ever think of, anything that we can ever ask for, that we could ever need. We can find that in Jesus Christ. Because the psalmist David said, for thou art with me. He, he is at, at arm's length waiting for us to just reach out and take a hold of the grace that he has offered unto us. Now, whether you're in a storm of grace or a storm of, of consequence, right? Whether you're in a storm of grace or a storm of consequence, I know that you find yourself in this spot. I know that there's storms in our lives, and they're, they're either because of grace, because God is trying to teach us something, or because of consequence, because we actually stray from the flock. There's some greener pastor over there. There's, there's this, this YouTube preacher that was giving me the strange doctrine. doctrine. There's, there's this uh, fear that was, that was calling my name, and it sounds familiar. It feels familiar. My flesh is calling me to do this thing, and I find myself in the storm. But David says, for thou art with me. Thou art with me. You have never left me nor forsaken me. You provide me with physical and spiritual needs. You fight my battles. You protect me. Matthew 14, 27 continues to say, but straight away Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, thou, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on, on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down unto the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now, I don't know. I like to fantasize and think that maybe the water felt like green grass. <laughs> Like, like when Peter was stepping out into the water, it, it felt like grass. I don't know. Don't shoot me, though. I'm, I'm, it's just me fantasizing. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? And when, when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. He corrects me with his rod. He, cor he, co he comforts me with his staff. His rod disciplines me. His, his staff redirects me. And you know what that says? That says I'm his. That says that he, that he is the shepherd of my soul. Because if he, if he wasn't correcting me, if he wasn't guiding me, using my counselors, my Bible study leaders, my pastors, my, my main pastor, 
it would only mean that I was in his. They both comfort me because they tell me I, I am his. I am still in his flock and that he's still my shepherd. So key point number four, the shepherd is the primary source of safety. The believer is sheltered through the storm in Jesus Christ. The shepherd is the primary source of safety. The believer is sheltered through the storm in Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes these storms may look different, right? These storms may not be like, oh man, I, I lost my right arm or whatever. It's like, oh, you, I'm just not getting what I want in the moment. Hmm. My Bible study told me, my Bible study leader told me that that's not a good idea. My pastor is telling me with the word of God that I am being a complete idiot. So point of reflection five. Are you afraid of laying down your wants? I was struggling to say liberties, but, you know, it really comes down to what we want. It's not really about laying down our, our liberty. It's more about laying down what we want to do at the time. Well, I prefer to just kind of sit at home, watch some Netflix, take a nap, instead of actually, like, doing discipleship. Or preparing for Bible study, which I've known for a week, right? But what if, what if for a second, would you, would you, would you entertain me for a second? What, what if you are never that cool Christian you've always wanted to be? What if you're never Instagram famous? It's a reality, guys. 90% of Christians today, like blood-bought Christians, their drive of life is to be famous. One way or the other. Quote me on that. What if you never got to be the cool Christian barista? God forbid, man. Gosh. What if, what if you never got to be the, the cool, artsy, edgy, slash edgy believer? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just kind of look like I do meth, but I'm also a believer. <laughs> you know, like, cool, man. What if you never found the reason for your trials? What if God never told you why you're going through what you're going through? Is that enough? What if you lose everything? What if you never find the one? Your future husband or your future wife? What if? What if you never get to lead the way that you always fantasize? What if you never get to be the honored missionary that comes to mission focus and gets served dinner and that goes to pastors' luncheons 
and you, and you get your own office and your own plaque at the church, who cares? What if you never get that? Is God's grace sufficient for you? What if you lose your wife? What if you lose your kids? What if your family and friends leave you because you're You believe the Bible. Is Jesus Christ the shepherd of your very soul? Verse 5. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even though everything around me is falling apart, you're blessing me. Even though my... I'm not needed at my job anymore. Even though my health will fail. Even though my family and friends will leave me. Even though this this thorn in the flesh is still there. You're still feeding me. And there's nothing to worry about. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Do you believe that? For my strength is perfect in weakness. Do you believe that? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches and necessities, in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. When I am weak, then am I strong. Thou thou anointest my head with oil. He sets me apart like Aaron, like the priest and his sons. I am his. Like the story in 2 Samuel 12, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children, and did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom. And was unto him as a daughter. I am his. And my cup runneth over. I am fulfilled and believer. I'm, I'm really just talking to the Christians here. The, the, we'll, we'll get to everybody else. But point of reflection six. Is my cup running over? Am I satisfied with my lot? with what God has given me. What more could we want? It's not grace enough. We have the shepherd himself. Is he not enough? Is he not enough for myself? Just to know him? To know the author of of the grace? That, that gives me life. Key point number five. The shepherd protects me from, the, from my enemies. The believer has no rights to keep. The shepherd protects me from my enemies, sin and death. I have no rights to my own. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me in verse 6 all the days of my life. 
Man, that's awesome. I don't have to worry a single day. Not one. He has me. That's my back. I am now his, and he will never leave me. The Lord is my shepherd forever. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am part of his fold now. And he lays in the entrance of the fold. And he keeps my brothers and sisters safe. And guess what he does? He lays down at the gate. And he sleeps with us. He lays down and he... And guess what? If someone's going to come in that fold, they got to go through him. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Which introduces key point number six. The shepherd is the gate to my home. The believer has unlimited access to the divine fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The shepherd is the gate to my home. The believer has unlimited access to the divine fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Now let me read the small quote from um, Charles Spurgeon. It's a small story of a banquet dinner. And it says, after a banquet honoring a famous actor, he was asked to recite the 23rd Psalm he stood up and recited it with perfect, with perfect diction and phrasing. Uh, phrasing and his oration received an applause from the guests at the table. When the applause died down, an old-time preacher, without a word of introduction, he recited the psalm. There was no applause when he finished. However, there, was a dry, there, there wasn't a dry eye at the table either. One naive soul asked the, act, the actor later, how did that old man move the crowd like he did and you didn't? Easy, said the actor. I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. So in closing, and if the worship team wants to come up, um, I want to challenge everybody, everyone here this morning to consider this question. Point of reflection number seven. Do I know the psalm, the famous Jordan psalm, Psalm 23, or do I know the shepherd himself? Do I know the psalm, or do I know the shepherd himself? If you don't know the shepherd... I want to ask that you would pray with the person that you came with. Or with one of the counselors that will be up here. But brothers, sisters, if you've been in a season... All right, guys, chill out. I'm not done. Don't start putting away your stuff. Come on. we got a couple minutes. If you've been in a season where you've been, been looking for fulfill, fulfillment in the things of this world... And the things that satisfy your flesh, I want to propose that, that you will turn to the only person that can do that for you, the person of Jesus Christ. And what that, what that calls for 
is repentance. Like Pastor Chris was saying, we're all prone. We're all prone to wander. But the difference between the right heart is to acknowledge it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you for the family I have in, in, in this church, um, in this body of believers. Lord, you're, you've blessed me. Um, and I don't deserve it. Um, I pray that this message would be challenging and that it would linger in our hearts, that your word would, would sting and point us back to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.com.